The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going, Dom? Very well, thanks. And Joanne Mercier. Hi, Joanne. Hello, hello. So uh, just before we get started with everything, I I have um, another one of my tales of technology woe. (laughs) From my household. Uh oh. My wife has had a series of MacBook Airs over the years. All of them have been killed by water, or as I put it the other day in our in our podcast, uh, a waterborne illness. (laughs) So and now the the fourth one has been killed by water. Has been waterboarded to death. This just this past week. Although it's not directly her fault. She did leave it sitting open on the dining room table next to a glass of water which a child knocked over um okay yeah the the and this one is this macbook air is only it's about a year and three months four months old yes it was it's but i had foresight last time i bought apple care plus which means that instead of spending eight hundred dollars on a new macbook air i get to spend three hundred dollars on a new on a basically what'll probably be a new you know macbook air refurb or whatever however they do it and how much was Apple Care Plus? Oh, uh, probably like two hundred and fifty bucks. So, mm. so uh, you're getting pretty close to just buying a new one, anyways. <laughs> I know, I know. Or, I was ordering like, a, or ordering a refurbed off of Apple instead. Yeah, you know, I am a proponent of Apple Care Plus for big ticket items. Yeah, because it really does save your bacon with compute with the computers and with the iPad Pros. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have to have it for the phone because the it's phone. the screen. Well, be, well, no, because of the um, the two year. Plan oh. that I have, I have to have the Apple oh, okay. Care. Yeah, oh, but oh, other sure. than that, it's like no, I don't need it for I don't need it for my AirPods. I don't need it for my no, Apple no. TVs. I'm not going to spend the extra money. Yeah. So, but for this stuff, the big ticket stuff, yeah, yeah. If, you're, if you're buying, a, saved yeah, my bacon more than once. If you're buying a two thousand dollar MacBook Pro, <laughs> you need it. Yeah, you need it. Because it will cost you a lot more to replace. You know, I joke about it with this Air, but, it, mm-hmm. you know, in yeah. a case like a MacBook Pro, to get it replaced, it's going to cost you a lot more than that. Right, right. Yeah, I, and like, even for the phone, I get it because, you know, if you break the screen, yeah, you spend 100 bucks, mm. but it's better than having to go out and buy a brand new. Like, for me, I get the, the Macs. Like, at the big, I get the big phone, so it's expensive. I don't want to have to go buy another one. I'd rather spend 100 bucks on a, on yeah. a new screen. But, uh, yeah, it's, oh, it's I even like the, with her MacBook. I even bought like a, a case, and I put the keyboard protector to keep the water. I don't like it. Just got it. It got it in between the case and the computer. Like mm-hmm. I had to hermetically seal the next one. <laughs> it's a take, plastic. Take it, take it. You know where they do the shrink laminating and have them like shrink laminate it. <laughs> yeah, so that, like nothing can get in it. Yeah, you don't overheat air. immediately. But yeah, I was gonna say including air. <laughs> well, I had asked the question of you pers- privately. You know, would an iPad Pro be better because it is a little bit more yeah. hermetically sealed? <laughs> but it it could probably do most of it. But she still wants the the windowing. 
Okay. You know, and that's the thing. She's used to it. If if I said, look, you know, we're not getting another MacBook Air. Here's an iPad Pro with a keyboard, you know, case and everything. She, I think she'd probably, it would probably be okay. Like she'd probably accept it. But it, uh, she's on notice. If this happens again, yeah, you're getting and something else. I was beginning let, to wonder. Go ahead. I was going to say, and let, let's let's be honest here. There, there's the more practical aspect of that couch behind you looks pretty comfortable there, Dom. You might be using it for a while. <laughs> and and I was wondering if she was like you know taking it swimming or something because I mean if this is like number four or five, it's like whoa, what the what's you know, the problem? Well, uh, you, you, you guys have seen um, what was the. Uh, Signs, the movie Signs, where mm-hmm. uh, you know Mel Gibson was in it, in the M Night, M. Night Shyamalan, and there was a little girl who had glasses of water everywhere. Yeah, I call. It, <laughs> I say, I say okay. to Melanie all the time, "Swing away, Meryl." <laughs> She's got glasses of water everywhere, and uh, plus, she 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 leaves the computer open, sitting open everywhere, like even mm. like on its side, uh, you know, propped on the floor, oh. and it's like just close it, just close she's like oh it takes too long to reopen you know what takes a long time when it's dead yeah (laughs) and it only takes about 10 seconds i know well when you have when you have three thousand tabs in your browser oh then it might take a little longer why is my computer so slow maybe you should close a few tabs (laughs) so does does melanie listen to um secrets attack oh no she barely listens i don't think she listens to she listens to jimmy uh jimmy yake's mysterious world and uh american gathering history but she doesn't listen to me she, she listens to me all the time so i can say okay. whatever i want you're safe then <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm safe. and, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm laughing over here and not at her expense it's just that she's typical of a lot of oh, yeah. regular users yes definitely. that don't realize that you know closing the computer is a good thing it protects and, it mm-hmm. Right, and then closing all those tabs is also a good thing on a right. regular basis. Yeah. So she's using my uh, old uh, laptop, my old MacBook Pro that my son has been using for his math work, uh, and he's not using it right now, obviously, summer. But uh, so she's been using it, and I've been walking around, and every time I see it sitting open, I close it. <laughs> good. And I told her, do, you do not destroy this computer do not because uh, you know this is a much more expensive than computer than yours i mean it's a it's a several years old but to replace it would be expensive mm-hmm. so uh the her computer i i ch- checked with apple apple care uh the help rep they were super awesome easy to work with mm-hmm. yeah here's what here's what happened and you know they're very sympathetic um easy to communicate with they send a box via fedex overnight I've packed it in the box now i just gotta take it to a fedex drop off and it'll be about a week before i get it back so um yeah that's that's been my tale of woe this week oh so hopefully not hopefully we don't have this segment very often (laughs) tom's tale of technology woe but uh, let's move on from that and father Corey, you've got uh something you you've been uh playing with and working with lately the uh we talked to recently about microsoft has uh, showed off its next version of windows that's coming up and they've released a is it a beta program so it's they call it their insider program, and mm-hmm. what it is, and you can you can anybody can sign up for it. It's you go to uh, insider.windows.com, and it's it's really they used to call them um, they used to call them like pre well pre release is what they are. You know yeah. they're they're the almost ready to go, almost final versions of Windows. You okay. know they're within. You know there's still a few bugs they're working on. This is kind of the you know you're trying to like a developer pre release they might call it. You know, so for people who are 
it's intended mostly for people who are like their IT professionals, you know, knowing what's coming down the pipe because they're going to have to support it for their company. Right. It's for developers knowing what's coming down the pipe so that they can start developing their software towards it. Um, things like that. You know, of course, companies like Best Buy and stuff like that, that are going to be selling this equipment. They've got people who are going to be playing with it so that they can then teach their uh, s- their sales staff about it. Things like that. Okay. So it's really what it's intended for. Um, it's not really intended for your day-to-day use because it's not completely ready. It does have some bugs and I did run into a few. Uh, I want to mention off the top too, I did write up kind of a 24 hour uh, impression blog post on my personal blog, something other than just my homilies that I usually do. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have a link to that, but it really was just, my system is kind of a, a hacker system. I mean, after all it's a Hackintosh. Yep. So I have separate installs of windows and Mac. And so I could upgrade my windows install because i really don't use it very much at all i have it for when i need it but i don't use it very much um so like i said it's it's a it's a it's a pre-release it's to to really see what windows is about okay and it and like you said it's a pre-release and most of the major bugs have been fixed you know there's there aren't there but there's still a few things mm-hmm. uh all right so it's windows 11 uh you know um is it is it markably different is or is it uh I'm going to say, honestly, it's still Windows. Okay. It is still absolutely Windows. Um, it looks prettier. I mean, it really does. It is actually a very nicely done operating system. They've changed the fonts. They made it a thicker font. I think it looks better than the old font did. Um, the the graphical interface is very pretty. Um, but once you get past the initial shock of this looks different, it's Windows. It operates exactly as you expect Windows to operate. Okay. Um, it, I mean, it's it's even it's this it's how Windows has operated since Windows XP. This is for, for good and for ill, right? <laughs> for good and for ill. Yeah. If you like the way Windows has operated since Windows XP, you'll love it. If you don't, you're gonna hate it. Uh, there's even still there's older elements, which is this has always been a complaint of mine with with later versions of Windows. They've always kept elements from way back when. So there are things that date back to Windows 2000. Oh, wow. The look and feel that still exists, like the control panel. The control panel is still there. Now you have to do a, you know, hit the little search, you know, the little magnifying glass and type in control panel. But it's it's the same control panel we've seen since Windows 2000, Windows XP. Even even though there are newer ways of accessing the same functions, they still give you the old ways, too. Right. And we'll we'll talk about settings in a little bit, but settings is there and it does a lot of things, but there are still things that you got to go to the control panel to do. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. So did you have any issues doing the upgrade? Not really. And this this just kind of surprised me, actually, uh, especially with this being kind of a a hack system, you know, Um, performance wise, this should run on any 64 bit windows 10 system performance wise i mean only their their minimal requirements and i'm going to read it right off of a uh, uh microsoft's site one gigahertz or faster with two cores on a 64-bit processor uh four gigs of ram 64 gigs or larger storage storage device so that's windows oh, 10 that's anything windows yeah. 10 <laughs> actually windows 7 supports that yeah. i mean so this is you know it's not not are you going to get a great performance doing that right no that's minimal. But you can have the bells and whistles on? No. Yeah. But it will run. Okay. The issue comes in, they've added, they've required a feature that was, could be used by Windows 10. And it's called the Trusted Platform Module. This is something that, that 
Intel developed in co- collaboration with, I'm sure, the hardware producers and Microsoft and everybody. It's very similar to the um, the uh, the T2 chip in Apple. Ah, it's a security chip. Okay, and what it does is it handles um, cryptographic cryptographic key stuff. So, like you know, you create a cryptographic key, say for doing secure shell, if you're familiar with that, or with your browser HTTPS uh, storage of the keys, use of the keys, it limits the use of the keys, stuff like that. One big thing it does is it does device authentication at boot. So it looks at your hardware when you boot up Windows 11 and it says, has this hardware changed? Okay. You know, and this isn't so much for licensing of Windows. This is more like someone got access to your office and they installed a key logger. Right. You know, something like that, where it's something was put into this machine that was not there yesterday when you boot, when you shut it down. Okay. It, that's, you know, so there's a, a security risk. Now, of course, you know, Microsoft is going to use it for ensuring their keys are only used on one machine and not, pat, you know, <laughs> uninstall from one and uninstall in another. But ultimately, it's, you know, again, you think of think of something like a bank, think of something like a, uh, you know, a, a secure environment where you want to make sure that no one has been monkeying with the hardware. Right. Right. Interesting. So. And, uh, okay. So what is some, okay, go ahead. You're going to say, I was going to say, and so if you don't have that module, you can't run windows 10. I actually had to turn that on. My, my system is new enough that it's built into the hardware, but it was disabled in the BIOS. I had to turn that on. Anybody who's, if you're doing the bit locker, uh, hard drive encryption where your, your file system is encrypted, you're using this. Okay. How, uh, how many systems will have this? I mean, how how this this hardware like this because all the other system requirements seem pretty pretty uh, low. But how long has the, uh, the hardware been shipping with a trusted platform module? Do you know? I would guess probably about the last five years. Okay. Um, like my my particular motherboard came out was first uh, released about three years ago. I want to say okay. I've only had it for a year, but it was it was a little bit older when I bought it. Um, and it, like I said, it has it built in from from the manufacturer. Okay. So I would guess probably any system built within, say, the last five years, you should be safe. Uh, they do have, by the way, Microsoft does have a uh, uh, system checker that you can download you know, and run on Windows and say, will my system support this? Okay. And it will immediately tell you, you don't have TPM. You can't run it. Okay. I have a question for mm-hmm. somebody who is running Windows in parallels in a virtual machine. Is this going to be a big problem? That is going to be a question that I don't know if is out there yet. I don't know. If, mm-hmm. I mean, I because I, in theory, parallels should be able to actually work with the, the T2 chip if you have it in Apple mm-hmm. to do it. Right. It would, it would be interesting to, that Parallels would have to just translate the calls to the T2. Correct. Which is no different than it does with video, which is no different than it does with anything else. So okay. Somewhere I heard that Parallels is not doing that at the moment. And I don't know if right. they're going to wait until it comes out, wait until they see how many people really want to jump off of Windows 10. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I could stay on Windows 10 for a while. I'm only using Windows for one program, and that's my, right. Microsoft Access. Correct. So, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, yeah, that's it, folks. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I know why, why Microsoft hasn't ported Access. I don't know, but uh, the, well, and the the virtual environments the for on, running on Mac are also 
they're trying to deal with the uh, the silicon upgrade too because it's mm-hmm. no longer an Intel chip, and so they're working yeah. on that too. So that they've got a lot down their plate. So yeah, I, I could I could see it I could see it being something where they're, where you know Parallels is just going to say Parallels VMware all of them are just going to say wait. We'll get there. We're just not there yet. And I'm wondering <laughs> if they're thinking of it for the M1 chip computers and not for the Intels, because I still have an Intel computer. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it, it may be that it's, yeah, it's part of the upgrade to the silicon compatibility and that you have to have a silicon in order to do it. I mean, there's, there's mm-hmm. all ki- kinds of variables that are at work there. So, Correct. yeah, that's, it'll be, it's a wait and see on that, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So, Father Corey, what, what kind of features are we looking at? That uh, they they've they they've changed here. Yeah. Well, one of the, I think the first thing everybody's going to notice immediately is the start panel, and it is a panel. It is not a menu anymore. Don't call it start menu because it's not a menu anymore. It it actually is a pop up panel that um, very much looks like the Android or the iOS launcher. You know, when you you've got all the list of your, your little icons, it looks very much like an upgraded version of that. So you've got. You, you'll, you'll bring it up in the top section. You'll see our pinned, um, your pinned uh, apps, any apps that you're going to want to run on a regular basis. You can pin them to that and it will sit there. It's like a six by three panel where you can have. So 18 apps that you use on a regular basis. And let's be honest, most of us don't use that many apps on a day to day to day to day basis. Sure. You know, we might have 10 of them we might use on a, you know, we might use on a daily basis. We might have a few more we use a couple of times a week. And then everything else we have is once in a while. And there's, yeah. there's a lot of it, too. Most of us, we don't ever use again. Right. We downloaded it. We played it. <laughs> we used it. We're done. Yep. We just never deleted it. Um, so, I mean, I, it, it actually is it's quite nice to be able to have that pinned on there where you've got your frequent apps. And then you can click an all apps button, and that's like the menu list on Windows 10. You know, if you, you, know, you bring up the start menu and you've got all the apps listed, you know, and you can scroll through and pick your app, that's what pops up. So very easy to find all your apps. Very similar to uh, the app drawer in Android. You know, on Android, you can pin your, you know, add your popular apps on this front screen and then swipe up and there's all your other apps. Well, it's very similar to that. Okay. Uh, so again, very simple. And then the bottom is a recommended list. Bottom of this panel is a recommended list. And this is going to be what Windows thinks are your favorite apps that you're going to run, your um, different, uh, not just apps, but also documents. If you've got documents you open on a regular basis, it's going to kind of naturally show up down here. Again, this is, this is, again, this is like the recommendations that you'll see on Android and iOS and Mac OS. And, you know, all these different operating systems are doing this, where it's trying to help you do it the most frequent or your most popular items to make it the easiest so that's that's the first thing you're going to notice okay you know or at least the first thing you're going to use the first thing you'll probably notice is windows stole from mac os that the taskbar is in the middle (laughs) all your icons are in the middle just like the dock on ios or mac os which is great it looks good it you know it makes it's funny where it makes sense to me now that I've used iOS for or macOS for years. Uh, it makes sense to me. Just they're right in the middle, right in the bottom. Yes, but can you move it around your screen? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. They you stole can put the it where idea. you want. You can put it where you want. I believe there is a setting in the the taskbar that it will move all your icons back to the left, so that the start panel button is mm. on the bottom left where Windows always has been. You know, since ninety five that. Little start menu has been on the right or the left, bottom left. You can still move it there, um, but you don't have to. You can leave it in the middle. And it, like I said, I think it, it works well 
there. But you know there will be people who will want that just for the continuity. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, they will. And that's, that's a smart thing Microsoft did is they allow you to do that, where you can put it on the left. Um, one th- interesting, just, it's just kind of an interest. It's really not, doesn't affect any functionality. It's just, it's look and feel. The battery, the volume, and the uh, network icons, you know, so like where you turn on your Wi-Fi and you turn up your, they're all one button on the system tray. Hmm. Instead of three. But you still, when you click on each individual section, it's the individual part. It doesn't show up a whole panel that shows all three. So it's, it's just kind of a different decision they made there um, to, to make it all one button. I mean, again, it doesn't really affect the functionality. You click on it, you change your volume or you switch which Wi-Fi you want or whatever. So that's one of the biggest ones. Okay. Anything, uh, any other ones? Like uh, I, I remember hearing about widgets. Yes. Yeah, there are widgets and it looks exactly like the, the old iOS Today widget panel. You know, like you'd swipe over and you'd have all your widgets on one screen. Mm-hmm. It looks almost identical to that. And it actually, you swipe, if you've got touchscreen, you swipe from the left huh. to bring it up. And it shows up like on the left half of your screen. Because, of course, you're talking about a bigger screen under Windows. Um, yeah. Or there's a, little, there's a little icon for those of us who are still, you know, retrograde and using this silly thing called mice or touchpad, <laughs> you know. Right. Or mice. So, okay. um one thing they, they really improved, you know, how, uh, how you can snap windows. You can take a window and you can mm-hmm. snap to half a screen or, you know, they've made it a lot easier. They have made it so much easier. You just hover over the maximize button, you know, the middle button of the three at the top right, and it'll give you different options. You can do side by side. You can do thirds. You can do a two by two grid. So you got quarters on your screen. Which, by the way, is awesome if you've got a bunch of different, uh, like, social media windows or apps running or whatever. You can just kind of make them all one screen. Yeah. Um, and then you can do one that's a half and then two quarters. Okay. And it just makes it really easy that you highlight over it. You pick the quadrant you want it on and the layout and the quadrant you want. Done. It just goes right there. You don't have to worry about dragging the window or anything like that anymore. So that makes it a lot easier. Uh, final, final kind of upgrade that I saw was the settings windows. And they've, they've, they, it looks like the Windows 10 settings because it's still the Windows 10 settings, but they've improved them. There's a lot of them that they have given them a lot more uh, ability to change things, you know, a lot more strength, a lot more robust in what you can do with it. But you still, like I said, you still have the control panel to fall back on. There's still times where, like if you're doing the volume settings, if you do sound, you know, uh, sound settings, it goes to the old sound control panel we've used for, decades you know the one that you're everybody's familiar with right. you know, here's your input here's your output here's the volume you know all that stuff so okay so what's your your bottom line on this is like mysterious world <laughs> what's your yeah. bottom line on on the the windows 11 preview that you're looking at you know i i would say that if you're in windows and you're running windows 10 right now and your system can support it it's worth upgrading it really is. I think, it, it. you know, if nothing else, just, again, the look and feel and the usability stuff that they've added into Windows, I really think it is worthy of upgrading. I think it will, it'll help with productivity. I think it's just easier on the eyes. I mean, Windows 10 looks decent, but this looks, I really think this looks better. I think it's going to work better. However, and here's the caveat, wait, unless you have a specific reason why you need to upgrade to Windows 11. Wait, wait three months, wait six months, maybe even wait a year. Mm -hmm. Let them get the bugs out. Let them get 
things figured out. Let him get a major, you know, major release, you know, 11.1 or 11, whatever they're going to call it. 2021 H1 or whatever they're <laughs> going to call it. Let them let them bring out bug patches. Let them fix some issues that are going to arise. Because I've got just I mean, here's kind of a minor one um, for and I don't know if it's a, a driver issue or if it's, it's a Windows issue, but. If I'm watching a YouTube video and I'm working on something else, let's say I've got YouTube up and I'm doing email. If I click back on that YouTube video, that screen will flash blank for about two seconds. Uh. Like literally the monitor will lose connection because then it will bring up the display port, you know, yep. thing on the window that it a new source. So the, the basically the, the monitor is shutting down and restarting and it takes about two seconds, at least for these particular monitors to do that. That's a minor bug. It doesn't affect. This operating system, it doesn't freeze. It's just, I can't use that monitor for two seconds. Right. So. Yeah, that's that's the sort of stuff that just gets, it it, it gets under your skin. It's annoying, not but not, mm -hmm. uh, it's not fatal to yeah. the to the system. I mean, it's, it's it, this, and this, uh, this recommendation is very similar to like, you know, those who are on Mac OS and you, you know, yep. looking at Big Sur, you know, wait until they get some of the bugs fixed. Right. Wait for the, like with Macs, I always, the Mac OS, yeah. I always say, wait. To, not to, for the first the point one update. Wait till point two. Point two. Yep. <laughs> you know, or yep. whatever the the second bug fix update that comes out is. Yep. Um, that, that's and, and, safer. Uh, unless you're intrepid, and <laughs> yeah. I yeah. sometimes I get foolishly intrepid. Right. So, right. and again, sometimes there are there, there are going to be times where you say, "Well, I need this feature this operating system provides, this new version provides." Yeah. That the old one doesn't. So if if there, I I can't think of any right now because. As far as I know, anything that was written for 64-bit Windows will run without any problem. They do have the 32-bit to 64-bit emulator, quote-unquote. The, they call it Windows on Windows 32 to 64. I believe that is still in here. So 32-bit operating or 32-bit versions. And if you know what that means, you know that means older software mm -hmm. should still run. No, the stuff for Windows 3.1 won't. <laughs> but right. yeah, it still doesn't. But we've got later on, by the way, spoiler, we've got something later on that will help you run those old Windows 3.1 apps. <laughs> you, you won't expect what it is. <laughs> yeah, but you won't guess. So but so I mean, as, as far as most people aren't going to need to upgrade this. And, and let's again, you know, like I said, maybe within, you know, any system built within the last five years will support this because of the security module, the TPM module. Mm -hmm. Um. If you've got an older hardware than that, you might, the only way you can upgrade might very well be buying a new right well, system. If you've got a if you've got a Windows box that's older than five years, you're pushing you're pushing it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I mean most most computer hardware, even Macs, I say like if you're if you're over five years old, I mean it, and you're not you're not going to upgrade it. Sure, that's fine. But if yep. you're if you're looking to keep upgrading, f over anything over five years old is going to be pushing exactly. It. Exactly. All right. Awesome. Well, thanks, Father Corey. That's that's a good preview, yep. and and will gives. I think it gives people a good idea of the practicality of what they can expect. You know, it, it is. It, it sounds like, you know, like you said, they've they've hired some designers who mm -hmm. put some thought into it, and uh, you know, it's still Windows, but that's you know, like we said, for good and for ill, it's still Windows. Yep. Exactly. So, awesome. Great. All right, before we move on, I want to thank our patrons uh, who make it possible for us to create the Secrets of Technology, including Nathan S., Joseph H., Jeff H., Tom B., and Thomas S., their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give 
make it possible for us to continue the Secrets of Technology and all the shows at StarQuest, you can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give. And just as a reminder, SQPN is a 501c3 nonprofit, uh, and that may vary for you depending on what the meaning mm. of that, but uh, depending on your tax circumstances, it may be tax deductible, your gift. All right, let's talk about some headlines. Speaking of Windows, <laughs> Microsoft, <laughs> within the last week or so, issued an emergency Windows patch to fix a critical vulnerability. It called, they called it Print Nightmare. And it's because the, the, pa the vulnerability is in the print spooler code, There's a, the Windows print spooler service. So it's a printing uh, part of the system. Right. And <laughs> because apparently some security researchers accidentally published the exploit <laughs> for it and then microsoft said ah hair on yep. fire let's write some some uh patches and th these patches first they got them out really quick but they for a lot of systems including stuff that they're not normally supporting anymore which mm -hmm. shows you how significant this is yeah and it, it it's well it's interesting I, I don't know if people realize this but you when you you know you run to, you print something it goes to this print spooler which is the buffer that it stores in well that can also do networked so you can you could have one computer let's say you've got you know your main computer at your house has a printer attached to it and you could have all your laptops hooking up to that and printing off of it mm -hmm. well that's where they found the flaw that's where the bug is is in that code that handles the requests from your laptops to that main computer right and this is a, a big one which uh allows it to execute install programs, modify data, create new accounts with full admin rights. I mean this this is the keys to the kingdom sort of mm -hmm. uh, exploit. So, if you if you if you haven't updated yet, definitely you should run you should run the uh, security updates and <laughs> patch your yeah. system uh because that this is a bad one. Yeah, and it will and it goes all the way back to Windows 7. Yeah, they're they're updating everything. <laughs> <laughs> so, awesome. Uh so the next one is this is we've talked about before about how since the lockdown and people were working at home, more and more companies, more and more people are getting into the idea of like, I, I don't need to be in an office to do my work. And mm -hmm. a lot of former flyover state uh, states are or they're still flyover states, I suppose. But they're saying, hey, look, you don't have to live in California or New York or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm to work your great job come check us out and so more and more states are putting out these incentives and i like this one uh west virginia is offering twelve thousand dollars cash plus a free year of outdoor recreation and and some other things too like uh they're giving them uh free co-working spaces and like all these incentives and i i have to tell you I used to live in Ohio on the on the Ohio River, right across from West Virginia, mm -hmm. and West Virginia is a beautiful state. Yes, it is. And and if you like the outdoors, it is a, a great place to go. Uh, there's a great scout yep. adventure camp there called Bechtel, which is mm -hmm. and there's a uh, some really. It's just an amazing state. Um, it just doesn't had. It's it was mostly coal mining and steel production yeah. for so many years, and it hasn't had the 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 more modern infrastructure brought in but it's a great place and there's you know this uh, and the the incentives are, are right now for specific towns they they kind of focusing on specific cities and towns but morgantown is one of the cities 
and you know the University of West Virginia is there. I mean, mm-hmm. this is not a, a you know this isn't the backwoods and the haulers. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I love this idea of these states, you know, saying, "Hey, bring your big city salary. You're gonna get, you can get a great house, you know, yeah. in in the country and live in a beautiful place." Well, in, in living, being one of these people who live in a flyover state, yep. um, you know, this is a blessing and a curse. I mean, because it does bring money into economies which often are very depressed. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, here in Montana, we're we're doing well, but it's only one harvest away from, you know, right. farming harvest away from that being different. And so this is a more stable income. But there's also the negative side, too, is we, there are towns here in Montana that locals are priced out of, you know, right. some of these cities like Missoula is a big one. Missoula is right, you know, right on the edge of Montana. It's on the western edge of Montana. Uh, Kalispell is another one that's kind of, you know, of course, these are all the ones that are in the mountains. They're the pretty places. Right. But locals are starting to move out of there because they can't afford to be in these because of people who are making, you know, six figure incomes and buying houses that are, you know, twice the size of what they had in California, for example. Right. You know, so there's a plus and minus, but it is, again, it is good though, because it does bring money into the state. Right. That yes. is so needed. And, you know, we do have the infrastructure here now. A lot of, especially again, the bigger towns do have good internet or decent internet, at least, you know, we do have, you know, the, 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 the recreation and the entertainment and the food and all these things that people want. Yeah. But they don't realize it because it's not California or New England yeah, or, or New even, York City. Even or, Denver, yeah. like the, the big cities out west, like you don't even have to be in in the big the western cities like that aren't mm-hmm. on the coast, but even just outside of them. Yeah. And you're right. There, there are the pluses and minus. It also they bring well, sometimes bring cultural changes. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a certain culture to these to these towns and these these states and people moving in from outside will bring their points of view, the way of living, all that sort of stuff. Yep. For positive and negative. I mean, that's that's not and always a negative. Words. It works both ways. Yeah. yeah. And they bring it with them. But that can be a shock to the system to, to see right. your place changing around you. Well, that's part of the reason why, you know, a lot of these cities have, you know, much more lively uh, food culture now. Yep. Brewery culture, you know, things like that is because people are bringing them from out of state and yep. that enriches everyone. So, I mean, there's both good and bad. Yes. Hey, my husband and I have considered our have considered moving to Vermont for retirement. Mm-hmm. So their little incentive is nice. We just don't have the type of jobs that we could do Remotely. distance. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We, yeah. we don't. We're hands-on so, with the people type jobs. So, so dumb. <laughs> when, when are we moving SQPN studio to West Virginia? <laughs> I tell you, you know, it's, it's more south, so that fits Melanie's requirements. She, does, she will not move any further north than Boston and with a Texas girl. She, no, okay. more, no more additional winter. Uh, yeah. Oh, I tell you, uh, and West Virginia is close, like there are parts of West Virginia. It's not far to Pittsburgh, uh, mm. Baltimore, D.C., the the ocean. You know, it, it, I, I, this West Virginia thing has some, in, has some like, interesting ideas to it. <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> yeah, you're sinking. He's sinking. Yeah, I, again, Melanie does not listen to this podcast, so. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh Let's uh, move on and talk about, hey, let's talk about our favorite uh, tech conglomerate that everybody loves to hate, <laughs> Facebook. Uh, so Facebook, as we all know, owns Oculus, the Oculus VR headsets and Oculus experience. And they had talked about they're going to start putting VR ads in. Oh, yay. yay. Oh. Well, 
So their first company that they were going to do it with this uh, publisher, VR game publisher called Resolution Games, they announced we're going to put it in their new their game called Blast On, and yes, we're going to t- test it out, see how people uh, deal with it and how they like it, which they don't. And but Blast On is a is a ten dollar paid app. And Ooh, as soon yeah, as this no. got announced, pe- the users, people who paid for it, freaked out. They said, "Hey, I bought this app, and now you're going to start, you know, hitting me with ads." And they, there was so many angry users that Resolution Games backed out of it, and so Facebook mm. is back to square one. Uh, but it's Good. this plan by Facebook to put ads everywhere. I mean, it's not like we're getting like, like Facebook. I get we get it for free, you mm-hmm. know, as the user. Mm-hmm. So I expect mm-hmm. to see ads. But you know, you pay three hundred bucks for a for a right. uh, Oculus VR headset. I, I think what he's trying to do is trying to compete with things like and and, and I'll, I'll use this as a loose comparison: YouTube TV, where you can buy an over the top streaming system and still get ads. I mean, we can't get the ad, we can't take the ads away from YouTube TV yet. We still pay sixty five dollars a month. So he's trying to do that. But you know what? If when it comes to games, when it comes to certain apps that you pay for, I think paying for it up front is telling everybody, I don't want an ad because I'm just going to, you know, zip it through it and get out of there. Well, that's that's uh, I've got some ads or some games on my phone that I purposely paid for in some cases. Like there's one uh, um, like what is it? Uh, there's there's one or two of them where it was literally you buy you know a one dollar creature for character for this game or whatever, and you don't have ads ever again. You know, and there's some of them where like Microsoft Solitaire where you pay an annual fee like ten bucks. You know, and, and something like that. It, it and it's just like, do we really have to have ads everywhere? I mean, seriously, Facebook, you make enough money, you don't need to put ads everywhere. Stop it. Well, as my husband would say, you know, the CEO needs a third yacht. <laughs> We're going to get Zuckerberg a new, uh, what is that wakeboard thing with the flag? Just, I don't know if you guys saw that on July 4th. He had an yes. oh, yeah. Instagram video. Yeah. Um, yeah. The the whole thing with the, with the, with the, the headset and ads, and it, this is the thing is, is, like you said, ads are everywhere and people are getting they're getting ad fatigue, for one thing. I think we're going to stop seeing ads when they pop up. We're just going to ignore them. But but if you're going to put ads, put them in the free stuff. If it's a free app, show me an ad. Okay, I'm getting it for free, whatever. But if I'm paying for the app, if I'm paying for the experience, I don't want to... If I'm paying, like, Supernatural is a is a workout app on VR, and that's it's not cheap. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that they've added ads or that they plan to, but if they were to say, oh, and we're going to have ads, I'm going to be like, I'm already paying you a premium to do this. I, I don't want ads uh, while while I'm at it. So, well, yeah. it's, the, it's a problem with it's a problem with cable. I mean, this goes all the way back to the, you know, inventive inventation, inventing cable that all the new cable channels, they didn't come on without ads. I mean, yes, you've got HBO, even though I think they kind of get some ads in there, too, once in a while. Um, but, you know, you've got your your premium cable channels that don't have ads but your regular cable channels they all have ads you're paying a hundred bucks or more for all these cable channels and every single one of them have ads right yeah uh well i'm not paying for those because i don't <laughs> i don't, I don't watch any of those channels anymore but, uh but but that's I use over the air that's yeah. free i don't mind ads there <laughs> yeah and then i have streaming services and honestly i don't like to uh, with the streaming services i kind of avoid the ones that make me watch ads while I'm you paying for the streaming service and it's just, it's, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to, I've gotten to the point where for one thing, the ads are so repetitive. They drive yes. me insane. 
Like, yes. at least show me different ads. Stop showing stop show me that stupid Volvo ad with the Geisberg Calvin. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or a Geico commercial. Yes, that, yes. You know, over and over. No, that's the one thing. You know, we look at the with the streaming services. My husband and I will look at the ad w- ones first, decide if we like the service, and then say, how much is it going to cost us to get the no ad version? And then we just, that's how we work it out. But I understand, again, if you get free, if you want free, then you have to expect it. But if you're paying for it, let's back off, folks. Yeah. Well, and, and let's be honest, we, is Facebook really the place to be doing, you know, to be providing uh, VR ads? I mean, you watch, you look at the Facebook stream and no, I really don't need to see about women's underwear. <laughs> but yet I get ads for it all the flipping time. This Do is I why I really need a virtual reality version of that. No, that would not yeah. be good for my spiritual life. Very good. That's yes. a very good point. This is, this is why I don't worry about like the, the machine knowing everything about me. I'm like, yeah, you don't really know everything. Although the one time they did show me about portable morgues and ad for portable morgues on Facebook. And I'm like, what do you know about me that I don't? <laughs> oh. I'm a little concerned here, but yeah, I just keep getting ads for orthopedic shoes. But yeah, right, I do, right. you know, I wear, I have to. But yeah. I'm, it's it's constant now, and it's like, yeah. really, no, thank you. Yeah, and, I get, and let's be honest. Telling Facebook this is irrelevant, this doesn't work for me. It doesn't help. It does. It's no, like it the, It's like the closed door button on the elevator. It's not connected to anything. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of things we've talked about before, we've talked about non fungible tokens, NFTs. Uh, Tim Berners Lee, who was the, he's considered the father of the of the World Wide Web. He wrote some of the first source code for running web pages and that sort of thing. He created, he auctioned off an NFT representing the original source code for the web or some of it. And uh, now he's having to defend himself because people who don't understand what NFTs are (laughs) think that what he's done is made the open source code of the web. uh, Now he's selling it so that it is no longer open source. You have to pay to use the web. No, folks, (laughs) that's not what's happening. He's basically selling an autograph poster of source code. Right. I mean, that's essentially a digital, a digital autograph poster of the source code he wrote. Nobody owns that code like that. I, I have to admit, I, I, the whole thing about NFT, I don't get. I really don't. Um, but it's just whatever. If you want to throw your money away at that, whatever, you know, I, I, and I understand the whole crypto and, and all this kind of stuff. I want to understand all this works. And I know that's NFT is an offshoot of cryptocurrency and things like that. But it's still just like you don't actually have anything. You, you know, I, I'm a tangible gal unless I have <laughs> it. I don't want it. So, I mean, even even to the point of, you know, you can buy streaming movies, but you really don't own them. I mean, if something right. happens, they go away. So I'd rather buy the DVD, rip it, and mm-hmm. at least I own something. I want a T-shirt. I'm a tangible asset. <laughs> I'm a fungible, <laughs> tangible asset. <laughs> I bet it's out there. It must be. Yeah, I'm a, fu- I'm a fungible, tangible asset. But uh, okay. So, uh, all right. So thank you, Tim Berners-Lee. If, you, if anybody would like to, I don't know if the auction is still open, frankly, but uh, if it's still open, the bidding was starting at $1,000, which sounds like a, and it's going to charity. It's not like it's going into his pocket. Uh, so Joanne, you mentioned uh, an interesting bit of news, which is that Apple TV Plus, the streaming service, has got 34 Emmy nominations, a lot mm-hmm. of them for 
Ted Lasso, which well deserved. I, I love Ted Lasso. Also, uh, I should mention one of my favorites on Disney Plus, uh, Mandalorian, nominated mm. for many uh, Emmys, including Best Drama Series. Uh, so very worth. But there's no category for, for cutest character, which you know. Oh jeez, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> but we mentioned that not because we we you know we're talking about Emmys, but just because of the, it shows a shift in how mm. Hollywood looks at streaming services. It really is because I took. I'm a TV person more than a movie person. So every year when the Emmy nominations come out, I go down the list and I'm going through everything and I'm seeing things like YouTube Originals, Facebook Watch, and I'm like, "Are you you're kidding me?" I expect to see Netflix and and all the others, but it seems like all of this content that's being produced, no matter where is now getting the attention of Hollywood and they're seeing the value or not or not in some of these, you know, offerings and they're starting to say, okay, this is worthy of, but I'm wondering in the whole mix, how much, I mean, I'm not a YouTube watcher. I know a lot of the younger set are, and that's where they get their entertainment. Does this mean there's going to be a shift towards YouTube and Facebook, God forbid, becoming now, you know, providing us entertainment with those ads, you know, <laughs> throwing those ads in. Because unless you buy YouTube, um, t- not YouTube TV, but YouTube premium, you're seeing ads every, oh, you every know, what is it, 10 minutes or something? Or eight blocker, minutes excuse or something. me. Yeah, or, <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you get a good, yeah, I'm, I'm looking yeah, for true. a better ad blocker on my Safari, but... Uh, yeah, it's that's you make you bring up a good point, which is, is I think the Emmys in Hollywood are following what the what viewers are doing, which is more and more people are getting their entertainment or b- diversifying their entertainment and watching more YouTube videos. And frankly, I look at some of these YouTube channels, they're these non Hollywood, non you know, just regular folk, and some of the production values, some of the content is awesome. Uh, Townsend's is a uh. How do I describe it? And this is the other thing is you never see this on regular TV because it's they're so niche. He is uh, it's this guy in Indiana who owns a store that sells reenacting gear for Revolutionary War, 18th century gear. And he started this channel 10 years ago and he does like uh, food recipes from the 18th century. They build things. They built a house like a log cabin and they show uh, foraging and all this stuff. But it's all history. It's all really good history and stuff. And I'm like, this is something that would never get made in Hollywood. And yet they, they have a million and a half subscribers. They've, they're, some of their videos get more views than a lot of network TV shows. And this is the sort of thing. And this is one channel of the millions that are out there. I think Hollywood is seeing the shift. I was going to say, and let's not forget the virus in the room. The fact is, people, there are many places people were locked up for the past year and they couldn't go to the movies. And so they had to go to things like Facebook and YouTube and Netflix and Amazon Prime and all these other streaming sources to get their entertainment. And so Hollywood had to take all that entertainment. You know, the big one is Greyhound. You know, when that came out, that was kind of one of the first real big movies that was supposed to be a theater release and had to quickly switch to Apple was bought by Apple to release on their platform because it couldn't be released in the theater. Sony had to go, what are we going to do with this? Well, Apple wants it. We'll give it to them. We'll sell it to them. Well, I also think that the the system of which 
TV programming is produced is breaking down. And I, it's been broken for a while because, and I'm sure both of you can attest to this, there are shows that come on the air that are really good, capture your interest, but because commercially they're not doing as well as advertisers or Wall Street expectations would like them to, they disappear. Now, I have one right, I have one right now that I've watched the last couple of years, and, and this is a weird show for, for a lot of people, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. Okay, now I'm a I'm a creative and I'm a musician and the premise of the show sounds, you know, interesting that she has this ability to hear heart songs being sung in people's heads, you know, and they do all big productions over it. But the storylines have been really compelling. And uh, NBC has disposed of it after two years and now it's trying to find another home. It can do that now because of streaming services. Before, they would just disappear and be like one-hit wonders on the radio. But now they can find another home. And this show picked up a bunch of nominations. So it's, it, it's, it is a quality show. I mean, some of the other direct you see, like reality TV, getting all this, you know... <laughs> I look at that and I go, that's just drag. Why is anybody? Because it's not reality TV is not real. I I mean, I don't watch (laughs) over the air television much anymore. I have an antenna and I've got my TV hooked up to it. But, you know, like I watched the All-Star game last night, the baseball All-Star game last night. You know, I watch live sports, you know, over the air. But it's, you know, Dom, you mentioned The Mandalorian. I mean, that was an absolute breakout hit. What channel would have picked up The Mandalorian, even knowing None. it's the Star Wars universe? None. What channel would have picked up some of the Star Trek? I mean, they had a hard time getting any Star Trek back. And now we've got a whole bunch that's coming out. Now, we disagree with some of it, but it's coming out. <laughs> yeah. You know, and there's there's all these networks are starting to realize. And that's kind of the hope for Stargate, by the way, now with Amazon buying MGM, that we'll get new Stargate. And we'll have more of that, too. So there's more and more television are coming out on these streaming services that the networks wouldn't take care of. They wouldn't touch. You know, what I find interesting is, is the networks, some of the networks are starting to shift established shows from over the air to their streaming services. Yeah. So CBS, well, and CBS has Paramount Plus. They recently announced their renewals and cancellations for next year, but they've they're moving some shows like that are in their fourth or fifth season. Like the uh, one that I really like is SEAL Team. They're moving that to Paramount Plus, which is an interesting move because what that does is it takes an established audience and says, you know, hey, you you like the show. If you kind of keep watching it, we're not going to cancel it, but you're going to have to subscribe to Paramount Plus to keep watching. I, I mean, I, I, I'm going to have to I have to have Paramount Plus anyway for uh, Star Trek for Secrets of Star Trek. But. You know, that might be a, a reason for me to go and subscribe to it. I might be a little annoyed having to subscribe, but but that might be something that would drive me over there. That's what they were going to do with Zoe. They were going to take Zoe from NBC to Peacock, but then Peacock also passed on it. Oh, interesting. So now mm, it's a matter of shopping it around. I wouldn't be surprised if they decide to open up a YouTube channel because there is there is a large following. And then, and, and Nielsen is not, Nielsen tries to do all of this, you know, data the ratings. crunching, yeah. yeah, the ratings people, they try to do it, but a lot of people discover shows nowadays, two, three, four years later on, and they're binge watching, you know, that's a whole other way of that, doing it. That, it was actually shown when uh, Manifest was a show on NBC, just finished its third season, I think it is, yeah, yeah. and um, got canceled. 
at the same time, it got it, it showed up for the first time on Netflix. The the first three first two or three seasons, forget sure, if it's the third there. Yeah. And it was one of Netflix's top shows that month. And it's like, so you've just canceled this this show, and people are loving it on Netflix, huh? I wonder is Netflix going to now pick it up? That's that's the interesting question. But it shows you that it's not a simple question of uh, people watching it on broadcast. Right. And, and going back to going back to Star Wars, look at Clone Wars. I mean, Clone Wars had kind of a start and stop about was it twice? Like they they did like the first three or four seasons and then it stopped and they did another season and it stopped and they did the sixth season and it got canceled and then moved to Disney Plus. They did get people like me. Yep. That like, oh, this is great. I, why didn't I watch this when it was on? Because I thought it was a kid show. And now it has a seventh season that completed the storyline and led now to Bad Batch, which is season eight of Clone Wars. Basically. Essentially, yeah. Well, and that's thing is Disney Plus. I mean, um, Clone Wars was on like Disney XD or some cable yeah. channel in the depths of the your cable box. Whereas channel two hundred and fifty <laughs> something. <you know>. Right. <laughs> whereas yeah. you intentionally subscribe to a streaming service and and you get all this premium content from it. And then this is there as well. I think it's just it's changed the 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 economy. It changes the way of people look at their streaming entertainment, their their TV type entertainment, TV and movie type entertainment. And this is the, the Emmys are an, I think are a, a following indicator of how things are changed. And so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. So uh, our last little bit, because we promised that we have to tell you, uh, how do I p- uh, run Windows 3.1 if I can't run it on my PC box? Well, if there's an iOS app, literally iOS app uh, for your iPad, th- there's an app called iDOS 2 that was invented or was programmed to play classic DOS games on your iPad. Well, a couple of guys have figured out a way to install Windows 3.1 as an app inside this, you know, as a system inside this app on your iPad. And then you can install Windows apps inside that. It's amazing. And they said it runs pretty good. Yeah. Well, it's and it's I'm guessing it's this IDOS is like DOSBox, if you're familiar with that, where it emulates emulates, quote unquote, DOS within, you know, modern operating system. So it's kind of interesting to think of these old, you know, Windows 16 bit apps running on a Mac or on an iPad. Yeah. Now, I'm surprised this got past Apple. (laughs) As as the article says, while you can still get it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. That's the big thing. I I just don't know. I mean, I would probably put it on for kicks, but I looked at how the step-by-step process and I went, oh, wait, that's way too much time to to, to invest (laughs) in Windows 3.1. But I mean... You know, if there is a will, there's a way. And I have a feeling a lot of this retro stuff, not just this, but other retro things are going to come to the iPad because it is that type of a device where you can put it on there and it can still run, but it can, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a new, it's a new thing using old stuff. iPads are deceptively powerful computers. Oh, you know, yes, like, they are. Especially the new M ones. I mean, oh, yes. they, these are <laughs> extremely powerful computers, and this kind of shows it. I mean, writing this this mm-hmm. stuff in emulation. Uh, the the one caveat is you have to have a valid Windows three point one install. So 
there there are ways to get that, uh, mm-hmm. but and you not do the need... thirty discs that we used to use to put it <laughs> yeah. in there. Right, you'll need image files that you drop into uh, an iCloud folder. But uh, yeah, but if you have a legitimate copy of Windows three point one, and it's and it says it's a you know it's a, they have a step by step guide. We'll have a link to the to the article. There's a step by step guide uh, to to doing it, and it, one guy said it, he did it in five minutes. So this, it sounds fun. This is good. Yeah, this, I mean, this is kind of interesting because retro gaming is a, like mm. a real thing now, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of there's a lot of things that came out for Windows 3.1 that you, as I said, you can't run on Windows 10, Windows 11. Yeah, it just they've they've completely removed that capability. Any 16-bit or before apps can't run. You can't run DOS. Yeah, I saw them running anymore. Civilization 2 on on the iPad. I'm like, oh, one of my an old love. That I would love to the old Sim City. I used to love the old Sim City <laughs> oh, for old Windows. Yeah, and you know Jack, who's also uh, with us, uh, you know, often on on Secrets Attack. Jack Razzini. He he ta- he's a younger guy, and he likes checking out these older systems that predate his t- his time. You know, he's he's one of those young fellers uh, who's too young for for the uh, the old stuff, but likes to check it out. You know, and I I love it. I love keeping this stuff alive. So that's great. All right. I think that does it for our headlines. Let's move on to our picks of the week. Joanne, what's your pick this week? Well, for those genealogy fans out there, um, I don't I don't believe I've spoken about the Ancestry and the Ancestry DNA apps before. If I have, this is an update because as I've been going through my brand new iPad Pro here, um, I found out this week that they came out with a new Ancestry app. Now, these apps, I always say to, to folks in genealogy, these apps are really valuable when you're on the go. Because sometimes you're somewhere having a conversation and you can't, rem- you know, it's like you don't remember everyone who's in your tree, especially if you have 7,000 like I do. So you can carry the tree around that you have. You can carry your DNA results around with you if you like that, that sort of thing. But now they've created for iOS a widget. So now you can put an Ancestry widget on your, on your front page. It will do a number of things. It will show you, it will show you um, dates, especially from your tree of your ancestors, events. They call it events. So for particularly in mine right now, in three days, one of my uncles will be the anniversary of his death. For me, that's something that I would like to commemorate and like to have around with me. You know, others, you know, your your 22nd great-grandfather and mother got married. Okay, maybe you don't want that. But having <laughs> these events for a genealogist sometimes spurs them into, ooh, I haven't looked at that line of my tree in a while. Maybe I should go out and you know, do some more research. So these are things, I mean, this is really, you know, inside baseball stuff for genealogists, but I think sometimes they miss these apps. There are lots of apps for lots of things, but and if you're in Ancestry, if you've done your DNA, you're at least insured a tree, whether or not you subscribe, okay, to, to Ancestry on a regular basis. So this could still be a valuable app for you in your genealogical research. So I just figured I'd bring that to everybody's attention. Just with the I, and I love the fact that it has a widget now. Yeah, that's that awesome. There are lots of widgets I've seen so far, like, I don't know if I'd want that on my... <laughs> but this one seems to, for me, you know, and what I do seems to work. The apps themselves are free, and they're available they for... Are. For iOS and Android, I'll have a link to the page mm-hmm. at Ancestry.com 
where you can get both. So that'll be good. Awesome. Great, great, great pick. Uh, Father Corey, what's your pick this week? So, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, ads and these free uh, services like Facebook. And, and there's, there's more and more concern about um, how your data is used by these free places, especially like Google. I mean, that's, that's the big one in the, in the world. And of course, you know, Gmail is arguably, I don't know the statistics, but I'm pretty sure it's like the most email, most used email service like ever and will ever be. Um, but people are expressing legitimate concerns, not just about the free version of it, but also like the paid apps version and things like that. How is Google using this data? Is it really secure on Google servers? Are they, you know, mining it, you know, things like that. And that's been a concern for a while. So a group of uh, people who worked at CERN, which is the European Organization for Nuclear Research out of Switzerland, uh, developed their own email service that is now available for free, you can, there's paid tiers, but it's also available for free on a lower tier that is completely encrypted. So the, it is, according to them, it is encrypted on the server. They have no access to your data whatsoever. And if you send an email from one, pro, one user to the other, that's encrypted as well. And then the name of the service is Proton Mail. And the idea of it is, like I said, it's encrypted, it's secure. They have no way to get at your data. And there is, a, like I said, there's a free tier that has some restrictions. Like, I think you can only send like 150, um, 150 emails a month, which for most people is going to be, you know, if you're only sending an email a day, that's only 30. Um, but, you know, the idea, of course, is you can't use like bulk. You can't use, um, you can't just spam out, you know, messages. Um, I'm pulling, yeah, I pulled 150 emails. Oh, message, excuse me. Let me rephrase this. It's 150 messages per day. Oh, wow. I'm so. sorry. If you're, you're sending more than 150 messages per day, you probably should pay for this service. <laughs> yeah. um, there, it's un, if you pay for an advanced tier, that's unlimited. You get 500 megs of storage on the free one. You only get one email address, one user, limited support. They do have calendar service. Um, again, you only get one calendar for the free. Um, they've got a, they do have a, a version like Google Drive. They've got Proton Drive, they call it. You have to pay for that one. But the lowest package is like $48 a year. That's, so it's cheap. And bad. that actually lets you set up your own domain. Hmm. So if you want to, like I've got my frcory.org domain. I can set it up so that, and that's what I'm looking at it for, is to move that email from Google to this because that's my primary email address hmm. and of course the more you pay the more users you can have the more custom email addresses you can have the more storage you get you know and it goes up and up and up and up so they've got several tiers that can fit with what you need um so it's the biggest thing though is the security it is designed to be completely secure your data is yours it's not google's it's not facebook's it's yours. And the servers um, are based in Switzerland, so that's... Correct. Yeah. So you know, there's not the issue of other countries, because Switzerland is a neutral country, even within the EU. Uh, EU rules don't apply there because of the way the country, the, 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 the treaties with other European countries work with, with Switzerland. Uh, so it's very much, if you're, if you're concerned about what uh, Google is doing, what what uh, even Apple, there's some concerns with what Apple so stuff Apple does. Um, 
this is a way that maybe you can get around that. They have apps for Android, iOS. You can set up your SMTP or, you know, your, your direct sending, your direct receiving, all that kind of stuff. So it's cool. Again, it is worth checking out again for, for your email. If you're really getting concerned about Gmail, especially, but any of those free email services. So uh, it's, they're encrypted. The emails are encrypted at rest. So on the server in transit. So when they're in going from one to another, they don't track uh, or log any personally identifiable information. So their logs don't track your IP address when you've logged in. You can set up self-destructing uh, emails that oh, after a while, you know, uh, this message will self-destruct in 30 seconds. Uh, Mr. Phelps, uh, the secretary will disavow all <laughs> knowledge. Uh, cool. That's, that's really cool. Uh, I'm not as concerned yet, but, you know, it's it's good to have this there if 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 you get to the point of concern and I'm, you know, I, I, I've, I've been looking at proton mail for several years. It's, it's it might I'm, be something. I'm, I'm starting to get to that point with Gmail. And, and also the concern is I still have one of the, uh, grandfathered, uh, Gmail apps, accounts. Yeah. G, apps, Gmail accounts where it's, um, I don't have to pay for it because it was when they first released it for nonprofits. And I'm kind of, I mean, not nonprofits, but you know, for personal use, it's still it's there, but I'm waiting for the day when they say, no, now you got to start paying for this. And of course, there's a lot of data there that I want to hang on to. So, All right, good. So my app is another one of those little menu bar apps that we've talked that I've been doing for <laughs> several months now uh, that Father Corey called me on. So I'm, I'm now going through it. This is a new one I picked up called Open In. And just right off the bat, you can, there's several ways you can get it. You can buy it from the Mac App Store. You can download it directly from their website. And it's also available in SetApp, which is, as I've said before, like the uh, Netflix for Mac apps. <clears throat> so if you've already got SetApp, you've got this app already. What it does is, is <clears throat> when you double click on a file on your Mac, and it usually has an extension, like if it says uh, CSV, it will open up automatically in whatever program has told the system first, uh, you know, this these sorts of files belong to me. So if you, t- if you, if you double-click on an XLS file, it'll open in Excel. But a CSV, con- a comma-separated values file, can be open in a lot of different apps. And I usually want to open it in Excel, but Numbers, at some point, told the Mac, no, no, these belong to me. And so I'm constantly having to, like, close it, reopen it. And- well, what OpenIn does is it lets you change the default app for different files. And not only change it, so when you click on the files with these extensions, it'll pop up a little menu and says, pick which one you want this to open in. So I can say, oh, right now I want to open it in, in uh, Excel. And next time I might want to open it in Numbers. <clears throat> and you can also add specific extensions. So I talked about the app, the autom- the text automation app last week called Bunch. And it creates text files with the uh, file extension of Bunch, dot B-U-N-C-H. <clears throat> well, that's not a standard system but i want those to open in bb edit because i want to be able to edit them when i when i do that so i set up a open in default to open in bb edit you can have things like open mail things you can have default browser things you can um all kinds of apps uh, in all kind the it's the interesting thing is is you if you if you ever feel like uh like if you want open always open up uh jpegs in Pixelmator instead of Photoshop or Preview. Uh, sometimes people want PDFs to open up only in Adobe uh, Acrobat instead of in Preview or other other apps. So it just gives you that option. So I have like I have four different PDF apps on my computer, and sometimes I want to open a PDF in a different app than the than the default. 
So this is a great little app that that lets you do it. And it's pretty straightforward, and it it just works. And that's the best kind of app there is. <laughs> You're gonna make me spend my money again, aren't you? Or just get Setapp, Joanne. I'm sure you've got. You probably have like <laughs> half a dozen apps that are in Setapp already. Okay. And so if you just go to Setapp, you'll never have to pay to upgrade those apps again. So <laughs> okay. that was my reasoning. That was my reasoning. So. I I'm resisting a lot of these just because again my system is a, you know it is a hackadosh it is a hack I don't need to make it even risk of making it more unstable it's not it's been perfectly stable but I don't need to make take the risk of making it unstable because of that you mean like I do all the time yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so uh, that that's it for Pixa of the week so I think we should wrap things up I want to first before we wrap up I want to recommend a, another SQPN show to all the listeners one that you might enjoy in fact I'll know you you'll enjoy it called American Catholic History by Tom and Noel Crow. They take about 20 minutes every week and tell you a story about an interesting person of our past or or a place sometimes that has something to do with our Catholic history. Uh, this week, they just did on John Wayne, who was a Catholic at the end of his life, and his all of his kids and his uh, multiple wives were Catholic. I don't think he was a good Catholic at the end of his life, but you know, he, he became Catholic at the end of his life. His uh, grandson is a, is a priest in Orange County, California. Uh, interesting stories, of course, but also people you've never heard of that are fascinating, like Stagecoach Mary, right, Father Corey? Yes, yes. This is someone who is actually from this area, from Cascade, Montana. Well, she's a, she was a slave uh, at the time of the Civil War, was released, ended up here uh, working at and helping out a, a mission of Ursuline Sisters that is a part of my parish. We actually just last Sunday, celebra- I celebrated Mass at the church for that that is all that's left of the mission. Uh, so you can hear about her. She was uh, a character might be a nice way to put it. <laughs> she took no guff from no one. I mean, she, 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 she gave some bad she, people, some beatdowns at points. <laughs> she got fired from the mission because she pulled a gun on the janitor. Nice. <laughs> Worthily. Right. So, but still, yeah, he deserved it. But yeah. And, uh, but she was a stagecoach driver and postmaster general of the town and all sorts of interesting stuff like that. So, uh, but and, that's, and was given, Oh, by the way, it was given special permission by the Cascade mayor to go into bars when women weren't allowed in Mon- by Montana law. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So if you want to hear about Stagecoach Mary, John Wayne, all kinds of interesting characters, people, over 100 stories so far. They've got 100 episodes. Check out sqpn.com slash history or look for American Catholic History wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so that's it from us. Uh, you can let us know what you thought of our discussion, any feedback you have for us. We love getting your feedback and discussing it here on the show. You can comment on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And you'll find links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. Remember to like each episode of Secrets of Tech where you find it on Facebook. Retweet them on Twitter where we're at SQPN. Leave us comments wherever you go. Until next time, Joanne Mercier, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of technology. Thanks, Dom. Father Corey Stika, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>